Hello, welcome to Season 2, Episode 9 of the Baggies Broadcast. My name is Luke Hatfield. As you will all know, uh, I am joined by someone who's featured every episode for... Every, every episode? No, not every episode. I missed a couple last year. Oh, well. Oh, I was in Sri Lanka. Was, oh, I remember. Yeah, yeah, so I haven't been on everyone. No, Matt Wilson. Matt, thanks for joining us today. That's right. How are you? I'm not too bad. How was your weekend? Yeah, very good, thanks. Um, Saturday was not as bombastic as it has been down the Hawthorns recently, but um, still a, a good win, nonetheless. Um, and Sunday, uh, I just spent time with the, with the kids, so yeah, it was great. You got a free Sunday in a couple of weeks' time? Why? Well, uh, I'm going to mention this now. We are running a charity event here at the Express and Star. Okay. Yeah, for Cure Leukemia, obviously a really good cause. Um, a couple of us are running the Great Birmingham Run, and we're looking to raise some money. Are you free on a Sunday? Sunday the 14th of October? I'm very rarely free on Sundays. Oh, I knew you'd say that, Matt. Uh, no, it's family um, day. So It is family How day. How long to run? Uh, it's, it's a half marathon. Half marathon, so we're talking what thirteen point one kilometers. Yeah, I'm definitely busy. Yeah, yeah, yeah I figured. I figured. Miles. Thirteen point one miles. Thirteen point one miles. Yes, yeah, sorry, thirteen point one miles. <clears throat> um, that's right. You know more about it than me. It seems. Are you running it? I am running it myself, well Nathan Tudor. Uh, we're trying to we're trying to wrangle Joe Edwards into it as well. Uh, but no, it's have re- we seen Joe play football? He won't be able to run a marathon. He, he might be able to jog it. He barely runs from one box to the other. <laughs> well, either way, we're going to give it a go. But anyway, uh, we thought we'd plug that early in the podcast. You know, it's a great cause. We're trying to raise as much money as we can. So, if people want to donate, how do they do that? There's a Just Giving page. We've set up a Just Giving page. Just give, JustGiving dot com forward slash fundraising forward slash Express hyphen and hyphen star. Okay. So if you want any amount of money that anyone can give uh, will be greatly appreciated. And of course, it is a great cause. Cure what's leukemia. The oh, sorry, what's the charity? Cure leukemia. Okay, cool. So we're running that in a link with, I know we shouldn't mention them, but there is a slight link with Wolves. Obviously, the whole Carla Kemi thing last season. Oh, of you know, course. Yeah, yeah, you know, yeah. That's, that's why we're it's doing that. Cause. It's a great cause. Uh, so Matt Wilson won't be running it, but I will be trying to run it mm-hmm. um, and probably trudging trudging my way to the end. And then the podcast the next day will be very interesting. Um I'm not sure how well how well I'll be able to walk to and from the bubble, but it'll be it'll be a struggle. But let's talk some Albion, West Brom two, Millwall nil. As you said, a good win, not 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 quite the bombastic win as you would say to quote you that we've seen in recent weeks, but even more so impressive for me. Yeah, I think maybe not more so impressive, but more reassuring. Yeah, um, because they ticked a couple of boxes that hadn't been ticked yet. Um, I think we've we've seen already this season that if uh, opponents want to go toe to toe with them and, and make it an open and, and exciting, expansive game, then they've got the firepower and um, the players to come out on top of that. You know, you think mm. about the Norwich game, you think about the Bristol City game, they've got the quality there to win these goal fests. But when it's a bit more tight, that's when they've sort of failed so far. Bolton at home, Middlesbrough uh, away. Um, you know, when teams have been hard to break down, they haven't been able to so far. Mm. And I think it was encouraging on a day where Harvey Barnes was sort of limited um, in what he could do, mainly because of Millwall's organisation. And, you know, they set up with two banks of four, made it very hard for Alvin to get through them, that they still found a way to win. Um, and it was pleasing that the first goal came from a set piece because we've not seen many goals like that this season. Yeah. Um, and that was used to be a, a real, a, you know, a really big weapon for the, for the Baggies. But they... Is they've sort of moved away from that style, and if but if they can add that back in, um, then you've got threats from all over the pitch. Yeah. So um, that was encouraging, even though it was Gale who, who eventually put it in, um, and then 
the fact that they sort of moved up a gear when when it really mattered, about a 60, 70 minute mark, and, and, and put the game to bed. Thanks to another goal from Kieran Gibbs, who now has two this season. Having, I think he's only scored before this season. I think he's only ever scored two in his whole career. So, Rich vein of form, absolutely. Um, but he's flourishing in that new left wing back role. I'm sure we'll come on to him in a, in a bit. But yeah. Um, yeah, I thought it was it was an encouraging win in the sense that there's going to be games like that in the championship this season. They're not all going to be seven goal thrillers, and you need to grind out those results. You need to grind out the one nils or the two nils. And um, more, more, most importantly, they kept a clean sheet. Yeah. Okay, Millwall were poor. Yeah, that's one point from six games for them. They didn't know they were going to score ever unless it was from a West Brom mistake. Um, they were toothless going forward. And it was one of those games that if you ever felt they were going to get a clean sheet, it was this game. But I'm glad that they saw it out at the end. And um, I think now the table's looking so much healthier after back-to-back wins. Um, it's amazing what two wins in a row can do for you in this league. It's yeah. so tight at the top. But you'd much rather be in third looking down on it than sort of in 12th, 13th looking up. Is that is that a cheap shot? That was not a cheap <laughs> shot. That was. It, I'm sorry, I didn't realise Villa were, were that high in the table. Oh, wow. The 13th <laughs> at the moment, yeah. Well, not, if there's any consolation, I, I genuinely think John McGinn's goal could be the best strike of a ball I've ever seen in my life. It was pretty special, wasn't it? Yeah. We were comparing it to, uh, again, mentioning Wolves, Ruben Neves' strike from Dart. Oh, Dar- why Dar- are we talk- talking about that? I think, think McGinn's was better. But anyway, the clean, the clean sheet is a big, big bonus. And it's one which will be a confidence boost for Albion's back three or back five, however you want to see it, along with Sam Johnson. Massively, yeah. Um, I thought the back three particularly were much better. Hagazi was arguably up there with man of the match alongside the likes of Gibbs and Livermore. Yeah. Dawson was a constant outlet on the right, used the ball a lot better than he has done in recent weeks, particularly when he was dreadful away at Birmingham. Um, you know, Bartley as well looked a lot better. And I do feel sorry for Bartley in some way because um, he's sort of drawn the short straw going on the left-hand side. Yeah. You know, you think about that, I think they're all right-footed. And he's he's over on the left, so he's bound to look a bit more uncomfortable over in that position. I wonder if he was playing on the right and Dawson on the left, whether actually it would be Dawson that looked a little bit out of place. Yeah. So I do have some sympathy for Bartley, and, and we spoke to him after the game, and and he, you know, I asked that to, I posed that to him. You know, do you think you've drawn the short straw? And he laughed it off and said, "Look, I'm not going to complain. Um, I'll play where, wherever I want to play." And actually, you could argue that the fact that um, Darren Moore and, and, and Graham Jones and, and you know Wayne Jacobs and everybody think that Bartley's capable of playing on the left is, is actually a testament to him and they, they think yeah. he, they trust him enough in that position um, I think he was better as well um, and I thought Johnston was he's a, Sam Johnston was was good as well I mean obviously they had that one moment of madness where he came out and cleared a ball which didn't need to be cleared and hit it straight to Jed Wallace who nearly lobbed him um, we well, did lob him, but Dawson yeah. headed it off the line. Um, and there were a couple of crosses that he tried to collect that he didn't collect. So those are his, that's his weak. Those are his weaknesses. But his strengths are really important to this team. Mm. Not only is he a great shot stopper, and he's a fantastic shot stopper. I think we've seen that so far. But also, what he does crucially is he is he gets Albion going and he moves the ball. His distribution is fantastic. I mean, he very rarely kicks the ball out of play. Um, I think he did it once or twice. Um, but his throwing as well out to the wing backs, yeah. it really gets Albion going quickly. And you know, the, in midweek against Bristol City, because um, obviously this is the first podcast we've done since that game, he it was his throwouts that got that's, that led to two Albion goals mm. and put the game beyond Bristol City at, at a time where they were really posing 
some 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 tough questions. Um, so yeah, I I I I like Johnston. I think he I think he's um, I think he's improving. Um, I think his willingness to to come and try and claim some crosses on uh, Saturday against what is a very aerial and physical Millwall side is is a good sign. It suggests that he's getting a bit more confidence and he probably will get some presence in the box eventually. I think we've got to remember he's only twenty five. Yeah, and he you know he does look like quite a skinny lad, doesn't he? You know, yeah, he doesn't yeah, look yeah. like he doesn't look like he, he's he's a big boy. So maybe a season of putting some 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 muscle on and, and um, growing in confidence, he'll be a bit better with those aerial balls in the box. But shot stopping and distribution, I can't fault him. Yeah, do you think having a back three in front of him really does suit him? Because as you said, coming for crosses is maybe one of the areas of the game we'd say he needs to improve a little bit. But having three central defenders there to essentially clear balls into the box. Do you think that helps him a little bit? Yeah, I think it will do, um, especially three like those three who, although they started off the season pretty in pretty poor form it, with aerial balls into the box, they are all good headers of the ball. Yeah, That's the one thing you can say for them. Um, so, yeah, I think that will help. I mean, I spoke to Ali Robertson um, last week about this and he's he said when Tony Godden was in goal, him and John Wilde just used to say, you stay on the line, we'll head everything away um, because Godden was a fantastic shot stopper but... Um, useless with the balls into the box yeah. <laughs> now I don't think Johnson is useless but I think there's an obvious weakness there um, and there's an obvious strength elsewhere so if Albin can get those three to, to head everything clear then yeah like you say it could be a good partnership um, I think we saw for the first time on for the first time on Saturday they convinced me put it that yeah. way um, they, they, they convinced me that actually they could they could make a, a keep some clean sheets in this league um, and uh that's important because you're not going to score four goals every game. Sometimes you are going to rely on a, on a, on a Dwight Gale poacher's finish um, to win you a match. Yeah, and just fitting that you move on to Dwight Gale again, scoring. Is this is he is this guy the best striker in the championship? I think so. I think he's the most lethal. Um, I can't think of many others that I would want in a you know in front of goal. Yeah. Um, when the ball comes sharply to him, I'm trying to think who else in the league there is. Tammy Abraham's quite good. He's got a good record, but I mean, he didn't do so well last season in the Premier League. So maybe in the Championship he could do yeah, a bit better. I think Abraham's quite good. Um, McBurney's started really well, hasn't he? A phobia uh, at Stoke, maybe. A phobia, maybe. Yeah. yeah. Um, he's certainly up there amongst. But the Gale's got to be up there. I mean, eight games, I think it is now, and he's got five goals, and he's won four penalties. Yeah. And those have all been dispatched. So essentially, he's it's nine goals that he's, he's contributed to the side. Um, and then you, of course, he laid down another one on on a plate for Harvey Barnes. I don't know how many assists he's got, but he's 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 he's, he's already contributed ten goals. You could argue, yeah, or had a hand in ten goals certainly. Um, and yeah, I, I I just love every every aspect of of his play. I mean, for me, yes, the poacher's finish is important, but for me, the the best bit of play I saw from him from him on Saturday was when um, Albin were probing and probing and going and getting sucked further and further into Millwall's half and then they lost the ball and Millwall tried to counter but Gale trapped his man all the way back into his own half all the way back to, almost to his own penalty area yeah. and at one point he was the deepest player um, in the team filling in at centre back when Dawson went towards the ball to try and close down put the man in possession I just love that endeavour I love that work rate I love that um, team spirit and um, and um, that ethic, and um, it wasn't just him, by the way. You know, Rodriguez did it. He, yeah. he chased back and put in a couple of good challenges. Barnes did it better. Um, and I wonder if they've said that to them because 
at times against Blues and, and Boa, those three have been quite isolated up top. Mm. So maybe the coaching staff have said to them, look, you've got to get back involved in the game a bit more um, because we don't want to leave you too isolated. There, there, there's been too much disconnect between those three and the rest of the team in, in the games where Albion have been poor. So it's good to see those guys chasing back and, and putting the hard yards in. Um because they're getting the rewards up front as well from this system, and there seems to be something. There seems to be a good team spirit at the moment. You speak to the players after the game. You know, um, Gibbs afterwards was praising the back three for being brave on, in possession. Um, I think as a defender, he recognises that it's not easy playing back there. You know, he comes from an Arsenal team that has traditionally played the ball out from the back. Yeah. Um, so he understands the pressures of that. Obviously, he's got a slightly different role now in this team because um, you know a wing back. But um, then you've got sort of the defenders like Bartley praising the, the front guys for their pressing high up the pitch, you know, defending as a team. And then you've got you know the strikers also say, you know heaping praise on the uh, on the defenders. I think it's um, I think it's a good team spirit at the moment, and um, you know it's time to give Darren Moore some credit for that because considering what he's had to deal with over the summer, not least with. Um, Giuliano Terraneo in the boardroom but also players agitating for moves away um, and you know a number of players who could have maybe gone back to the Premier League who yeah. haven't um, you know for him to get them their heads screwed on so quickly um, you know we're what we're fifth of the way through the season and mm. they're in third fair play to him I think he deserves some credit for that certainly does and it's it is impressive throughout the team. There's no real weak links, are there? I mean, at the start of the season, you know, right back was maybe seen as a, as a bit of a problem, but that's been sorted out as well now. There's there's no real area in the pitch where you think Albion are, are short. No, there isn't. Um, I wouldn't say they were short anywhere, really. I mean, maybe centre back. I think. I think if you if you have a couple of injuries there, you're in trouble. Yeah. Um, you know, you've you've got Adarabio who can come in, and I mean, even in the in this this tiny cameo that he had on on Saturday, he used the ball well. Um, so he looks like he could be a useful squad player. I would I wouldn't be surprised to see him start um, against Crystal Palace uh, tomorrow. But if you get a couple of injuries there, you you. You are struggling a bit. You, you're looking at maybe moving Sam Field back there, or, yeah. or playing Carl Hawkins, who is 22 to be fair. But you know he, he's he's he hasn't got many, much championship experience. What I don't think he's got any actually. So um, yeah, that's the one area I think they're short. Um, going forward, they've obviously got an abundance of riches. Um, and I think there was some some good substitute performances uh, the weekend. Mears. It's obviously not as good as Phillips, who, let's have it right, is too good for this league. I mean, yeah. Phillips is when he's on form, he is a, he is fantastic, and he's a he, that wing back position is 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 a difficult position to play, but he plays it with a plomb. Um, he's he's been one of the best players. I mean, I know Barnes and Gale have, have, have really stolen um, everyone's hearts, I suppose, and sort of grabbed the headlines and and, and become the darlings of these t- of this team. But Phillips has quietly been probably the most consistent performer I would say mm. how's he been by the way but you obviously brought off a little bit of an so, yeah, he injury was, worry he was brought off more said after the game that he thinks it's fatigue more than anything but it looked like a sort of muscle strain so he won't play on Tuesday I can't see him playing against Crystal Palace but hopefully he's back for the uh, trip to Preston Saturday um, but then behind him you've got Tyrone Mears and you know this is another it was another left it was a left field signing you know he came from MLS he was 
I think he's 34. Yeah. You know, a lot of people thought, well, hang about, is he, can he can he really do a job? Is he really going to be fit enough to play to be right wing back? But I think on Saturday we saw that he's going to be okay. He's nowhere near as good as Phillips, but he's going to be a functional understudy. Mm. Um, you know, the sort of person who is willing to put the working, and that is, you know, a big part of the battle in this league. Yeah. Um, especially when you've got so much talent elsewhere on the pitch. So yeah, I, it was it was a, a useful half hour from him. And Wes Houlihan as well, when he came on, um, you know, recycled the ball well, kept possession well. He, he lost the ball once, um, arguably a foul. Uh, but apart from that, he kept it well. And I think he could be a useful player to come on and just calm things down towards the end of games, um, you know, when things are going awry. Or, or, you know, if Barnes is having an off day, bring him on after 60 minutes to try and unpick the lock. Um, you know, I wonder if he was going to come on before Phillips got injured and, yeah. and if it was nil-nil for much longer I'm sure he would have come on because he's got that sort of guile to to, to, to do that so yeah I think um, there's also suggestions that the um, the the signings that Darren Moore has made are pay enough you know, I know we said before that the Gale signing they can't really take too much credit for that because Newcastle came in and wanted Rondon yeah. but Barnes is a great signing and uh, one, one that Moore identified um, and you know there are signs that Hulahan and Mears, um, albeit cheap options, see you know are giving perhaps giving down more a lot of bang for their buck. Certainly are, and that's the type of deal which you've said previously is the best kind of deal, the cheap ones mm. uh, who pay out for you. One of the most impressive things for me um, has been the way Darren Moore's built this team, and he's he's used this system which really does suit all the players. There's no square pegs in round holes, which you do mm. see in other teams, I think. But on the whole, Matt Phillips at right wing back, I think he's fitting very well there. Well, the, yeah, the, the wing backs, yeah, you're spot on. Phillips and Gibbs, he's moved one back and one up, and they both suit those roles down to a T. I think. I do think there is, you know, Chris Brunt. The question marks over whether Chris Brunt is actually a central midfielder. Now, I actually thought he played well against Millwall. Started off a bit jittery, uh, misplaced a couple of passes. Um, but really grew into the game and was always looking for the ball, always looking forward as well, yeah. um, always looking to try and find Barnes's feet, and I think that's what he does well in this system. Um, there are still question marks, though, for me, over when Albin come up against a more dynamic team with a, with a pacier, dynamic midfield. Um, you know, Millwall are quite regimented and organised and very solid and 4-4-2. It's all pretty traditional. Mm. Um, but when you get maybe someone like Nottingham Forest who have little nippy quick players that play in between the lines um, I don't know if Brunt can really just track those men I don't think he's got the legs to, or, or the inclination or the you know the know-how to sort of stop those people those runners going off him yeah. so that's my concern at home to Millwall yes I think it works but away at Forest or you know I, you know, away at other clubs where they're going to have nippier players I'm, that's where my concern is I, I personally think there are central midfielders at the club who know that role a bit better. Um, you know, someone like Gareth Barry or Sam Field. Um, but I, I do want to. I'm, I'm at pains to to say that you know Brunt doesn't choose where he's played. Yeah. Darren Moore decides where he plays, and and Brunt. Um, it's testament to him that actually quite a number of managers have, have thought him capable of playing central midfield mm. it's testament to his skill set that they think 
he can play in that position. And it's testament to him that so many managers have found a way of getting him in the team by hook or by crook. You have Pulis putting him at left back. You know, you've had other managers playing him central midfield. You've had players playing him, managers playing him left wing, managers playing him right wing. Um, I think, you know, although I don't think central midfield is necessarily his his right position, and I don't know if there really is a role for him in this in this system. I don't think he could do a wing back. I mean, he could do a wing back job, but it would be a different wing back job to yeah. to Kieran Gibbs. It wouldn't be so dynamic. It would be more of a deep crosses into the box. And I don't know if Alvin have the aerial presence up front for that to warrant that. But and you can't you can't I mean you can't drop Gibbs. There are question marks over Gibbs's um, ability to stop the stop the crosses in at the, at the other end. But you can't drop him for an, on an attacking sense. Yeah. Um, but I just I just think you know Brunt deserves. Um, a little bit of um, credit for being th- so highly thought of. Rather, you know, I think it, it, it's, it's perhaps the coaching staff who, who, who need the questions rather than the player, if that makes sense. Yeah, do you think there are almost some shades of trying to include Brunt because of obviously his leadership qualities and having someone out, uh, like him out there on the pitch or do you think it is more of his ability? I think it's his passing ability. I think I think Darren Moore is a big fan. Um, well, based on what he said to me, he's a big fan of of his ability to to pass the ball forward, mm. and Brunt does that with regularity. You see a lot of central midfielders who recycle the ball and just pass sideways. Yeah, Brunt is always looking for Barnes, Rodriguez, Gale into feet. Um, and I think there's a lot to be said for that. Um, like I said, there are question marks over his dynamism against more athletic midfielders. Um, but I think that's why he's in the team in that position um, to get Albion up the pitch quick and to get it to their dangerous players as quick as possible. Yeah. One man we touched on as well, Kieran Gibbs. Are we starting to see the best of him? Because last season it wasn't the greatest season for Albion as a whole. But now, obviously, scored them two goals already uh, in this more advanced position. Is this the best we've seen of him? Um, I think it suits him, yeah. I think it suits him very down to a T. It probably is the best we've seen, him, seen of him. Um, against Bristol City, I actually thought he didn't have a very good game because um, they brought uh, Eliasson on mm. and he must have crossed about four or five deliveries from that side and Gibbs just didn't cut them out. And that is the one area that, that he is weak on. Um, and it's probably why he's not. It's probably why he's playing Championship football actually, and why yeah. he's not playing in the Premier League because um, because of that reason. But um, and it's probably why Arsenal were willing to let him go. But um, going forward, yeah, and on the ball, yeah. I mean, in possession, I can't think of a of a fullback uh, you know in the league as as good in possession in tight spaces. I mean, he's got that Arsenal pedigree where he just on the byline he doesn't look like he's going to lose the ball really. Yeah. Um, he's so good with his feet, so quick, you know, quick with his feet. He's fantastic. It's just that little bit out of possession where whether he's, you know, he's obviously got the pace to to get back in. It's just whether he can stop those crosses coming in. But yeah, I, I think he's playing very well at the moment. Yeah, and one one set of people certainly doing well are the fans as well. Uh, Darren Moore had a lot to say about them. You can listen to that here. Yeah, I'm glad. I'm 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 in a way I'm glad because you know some of the things that we said. Uh, at the start of the season with some of the type of games and teams that come to the Hawthorns would make it very, very difficult for us and there's more of those games to come. But I'm glad that the fans seen it and stuck with us and, and 
the players trying to do the right things and in the end they got the just rewards. So as well as it being an education for the players, I'm delighted it was it was an education for the fans. So I'm really pleased and that's why, you know, when our messages are put out there, we all gotta work. You know, the players are working, the staff are working, the stewards are working, the supporters have got to work and they're working and supporting the team and, and making this place into a cauldron of noise. You know what I mean? To, and, and what that does, it gets the players over the line, it keeps them going, it gives them that extra two, three, four, five percent to get them over the line. So, together as a football club, that today was, was a great message for everybody connected to the football club. Now, Matt, he brings up a good point about the fans. They've certainly played a part for Albion this season, and they could do so for the course of the year, especially if they keep winning games and keep getting behind the team. Yeah, they, I think the fans are massively important. I think. A case in point would probably be Saturday's opponents, Millwall. You know, Millwall fans try and make it as difficult as they can for the opposition, particularly at home, at the uh, at the Den, where oh, they they were bothering me on Saturday. By the way, oh, they don't shut up, do they, Millwall fans? What during the game or after? Yeah, throughout the game, throughout, throughout the game, the game yeah. that, that long, loud. It's, it's, it is intimidating. I can imagine it's very intimidating as a player, and I can't imagine what it's like at the Den. I've never covered a game there but they were very loud and throughout the game. I've actually been to a West Brom Millwall game at the Den. Um, the last time before Saturday that the two sides had met was in 2004. Darren Moore was playing for West Brom. Neil Harris was playing for Millwall. <laughs> and I was in the stands um, as a teenager with my dad. And we I remember getting the uh, we got the train in and we walked from the train station to the ground and we were surrounded by a tunnel of mesh mm. so that people couldn't chuck stuff at us you know it's proper like 80s stuff yeah and then when we were inside the stadium I just remember thinking you know there were there were probably kids the set, my age in the home end giving it the absolute big one uh, to the away <laughs> fans you know trying to rile them up and yeah. trying to, trying to make, they make it a hostile atmosphere and um, you know just as a case in point I think that's probably why they do so well at home um, you know, I'm not condoning their behaviour by any stretch, but what I mean is that fans do play a part. Um, just speaking to players, mm. they, you know, they can tell when the atmosphere is good in the ground. They can tell when it's bad. You know, obviously the best players um, rise to the occasion when things are going poorly, mm. but you can't tell me that it's not human nature to draw on the positive atmosphere that's going on if you've got if you've got 25,000 people behind you and really really roaring you on yeah then it's gonna spur you on i mean speaking from personal experience having played in front of a the largest crowd i've played in front of was 50 yeah and you know they don't make that much noise but you can tell when you're on the pitch I can't imagine what it's like with 25,000 people. It must be absolutely balmy. But, um, yeah, I thought the fans were brilliant on Saturday um, purely because Millwall tried to make it... Well, they were good, they were loud and they were trying to make it intimidating. But the Albion fans responded mm. and I think that helped. And um, like Darren Moore said, you know, they can, they could be the extra 5% that the, uh, that the, um, that the players need. And it's re you know it's really refreshing to see it at the Hawthorns because we've for the last you know two or three years we've not really seen too many atmospheres like that. It's night and day, isn't it? It is indeed. Right, well, I've got a little bit of a segment. It's a what's hot segment. I was we did hot hot and not last time if you remember, but 
there's no knots for me to really talk about. Okay. <laughs> Tons of Albion. So I've got three hots for you. First of them, the league table, third, 22 goals scored, one point from the top spot. That's it's not bad viewing, is it? It's not bad viewing. It was a very good weekend for, for Albion because not only did they win, um, but obviously Leeds lost to Blues um, and uh, Middlesbrough drew with Swansea. Mm. Um Right, it's really early days. It's so early on. Um, and just one glance at the table will show you there are something like 12 teams who were separated by four or five points. Yeah, it five is, points from first to 13th at the moment. Is that right? Yeah. It's ridiculous. So you can't really read too much into it because if you lose a couple, if you, if you lose a couple of games, you will fall dramatically down the table. Um, but like I said earlier, you'd rather be in third than 13th. Um and they've given themselves a good platform. You know, the encouraging thing is that they're, they're, they're the championship's top scorers. There are goals in this team. Um, there are more, you know, suppose it's it's sort of um, common uh, knowledge, not common knowledge, but, but common custom to build your team from the back. But Darren Moore's built a team from the front. You know, yeah. he's he's made sure that, that, that there's goals in the teams first and foremost because they, they've come from a Premier League uh, division where actually... It's about being resolute and hard to beat, whereas now they need to be they need to take the, t- the game to the opposition. So he's made sure that they can do that, and now he's trying to make them difficult to beat at the back. Mm. Um, so it's a different way of building, of setting the team up, or, or you know, building the team. Um, but it seems to have worked, and you know, they've got they've certainly got plenty of goals in them. I think we've we've seen that. And now, if they can add a bit of defensive um, stubbornness in there. Well, that's that's a, that's the perfect combination, isn't it? Yeah, they've got a favourable run coming up too after the cup. Preston, of course, away. Sheffield Wednesday away, and then Reading at home. You'd imagine those those are those are games which you'd be targeting three points in, and you know, you'd yeah, look you to would. Continue. Sheffield Wednesday are tough to beat, though. Apparently, aren't they, Luke? They are a little bit. Yeah, um, we we won't talk about that too much. No, but, but I, I in general, but no, Villa are struggling. So Sheffield Wednesday, to be fair, when they did go and beat Villa, it's a it's a, it's a good win for them. But away from um, home as well, I don't I don't think you can. That that's you know they've been brilliant at home, Albion, but away from home they have struggled, mm. um, been outplayed several times. Um, might have lost the Norwich game um, probably should have lost against Blues did lose against Middlesbrough uh, um, should have lost against Forest arguably as well so they have struggled away from home um, the pleasing thing has been the home form but if they can if they can now use these two games against Preston and Sheffield Wednesday to get some points I think you'd be happy with four points out of those two games you might mm. even be happy with three because I know pressing the bottom of the table, but they're going to need a reaction soon. Yeah. Um, and a home game is, is a great opportunity for them. Um, Sheffield Wednesday, I don't think they're I don't think they're mugs at all. I think Barry Bannon has got them ticking along really nicely. There, you know, he seems to be a really important player for them, and um, they seem to be. I, look, I don't think they're as good as West Brom at the moment, but they they they're not to be taken lightly, particularly. Um, away from home I, I don't think that's going to be an easy game by any stretch um, it might be a case of a point might be a good point there mm. um, but of course I think you have to go and try and win it home to Reading you'd expect them to win so if you look at the next three games if you can get another seven points brilliant could be top well yeah I don't I don't know <laughs> we'll <wait and> see. <laughs> uh, another hot Bakri Sacco 
Um, that'd be an exciting addition. I'm not too sure where he'd fit in at Albion, but certainly an exciting name. Um, yeah, well, he's been training with Albion. Um, he's on trial in the same way that uh, Hulhan and, and Martin were. And um, there are, well, apparently, according to Darren Moore, there are, there are a couple of others that they've taken a look at. I mean, obviously, they looked at Craney and Richardson and Rio Coca earlier in the, in the, in the season. Um, so that's there's six. I think there's probably a couple of other ones as well that have gone on, gone under the radar. Mm. Um, but for me, I, if if I was going to be signing any more free agents, I'd be looking at defenders. Yeah, I'd be looking at centre backs. Um, you know, Asako. Maybe if Barnes gets recalled in January, but I don't don't think he's number ten really. Um, I mean, maybe he's thinking about him as a potential backup to. Um, Phillips and Gibbs on the wings as wing backs, but I don't know if he's got track back enough. Does he got has he got the defensive capabilities to do that? So maybe he's looking at him as backup to Gale. Um, mm. You know that sort of um, or, or or like a a, a different type of striker because um, he can play up front, can he? So yeah. maybe like a, a a powerful, strong, muscle muscular striker more so than like the nippy sort of strikers that that Albion have got at the moment. Um, but we wait and see. He's on trial. Um, if he if he if he is signed, then we'll see where he fits in the team. But like you say, I don't think he gets into the first eleven at any at the moment. Yeah. Last hot Neil Harris, nice lad. Six hundred goals he said Albion could score this season. I'm not too sure we can bang in six hundred Neil, but uh, it's quite a claim from him, isn't it? Yeah. I mean, he's obviously exaggerating quite substantially there, but um, I think he's just making the point to his fans that you know we only lost two 0 at West Brom. That's a good result. Um, compared to other teams that have come here and shipped four or seven, so you know I think he's that's just a bit of a that's Neil sending a message to his fans more than anything else. Um, but it shows that that Albion are a team to be feared in this league. Yeah, and uh, one man who could possibly add to uh, the Albion lineup, Lewis Archer, the next non-league gem. Uh, Lewis Archer. Oh right, Hensford Town. Yes. yes. Um, so Lewis Archer scored um, a wonder goal a um, couple of weeks back um, and that caught Albion's attention. Mm. They um, they then scouted him for a little bit and offered, well, approached Hensford and asked if they could take him on trial. He's a 20-year-old playing Northern Premier League division football, so you know he's quite low down. Um, and um, Hensford have just given him an 18 month contract mm. uh, in the summer and they said no which is their right because he's their player um, so which would mean that Albion would need to stump up some cash and make an offer I don't think they're going to do that I mean from from what I gather that you know, they're not going to take it that far it, it was just a case of oh, we might let's take a look at him he might he might be the next non-league gem that we can we can find Hensford Town have got a history of producing um, I think Ashley Williams was originally from Hensford. Yeah, Cohen Bramall. Cohen Bramall. There's a few others. So, um, you know, I don't think it's going to go anywhere because, um, you know, he, he he's not good enough to make an offer essentially. But um, he was just one that they were sort of interested in. Yeah. All right. Let's go on to questions, Matt. Questions, questions, questions. First one: Jonas Starkey. Update on Bakary Sacco. I feel we've just answered that one. He's on trial, essentially. Yeah. There you go. Uh, Jonah Ryan WBA FC. 
After being linked with Lewis Archer, another player we just spoke about, should we keep up this approach of looking for non-league gems? Yeah, they always do. I mean, it, it's it's primarily the youngsters. I mean, Archer's just recently turned twenty. It's, it's you know, it's primarily these young players that um, could could have been missed or could have or could have just not never been spotted when they were really young. Um, yeah. And you know there are players out there. I think I think that's been proven over the last few years that there are players out there that that um, that have been missed. I mean, if you just look back in Albion's history and think about where Cyril Regis came from, yeah. non-league outfit. Um, you know there are gems out there. Um, so yeah, of course you have to be um, alert to these players. And if somebody does do something staggering in a non-league game and they're young um, and they might have some potential, I think you do have to follow it up and have a look at them. Um, so yeah. I don't think there's anything wrong with that, um, but like with every single purchase and transfer, you have to do your due diligence and, and make sure that what you what you're signing and what you're offering will actually benefit the club and is better than what you've got already. Um, you know, is Lewis Archer better than um, you know the strikers they've got in the under 23s? That's probably the decision they're making. Yeah, how's he 24? Keep or sell Ollie Burke? Well, you have to find a buyer. Yeah. I'm not sure who buys him. Who's going to buy him? Not for 15 million at the moment. Anyway. No one's going to buy him for 15 million. Um, I think. I don't know. I don't know is the answer. I mean, he's got. He's on a four-year deal, so he's still got two and a half years left. Um, he's still very young. You know, mm. he's still 21. I mean, you look at someone like Kimar Roof, who didn't develop until sort of his mid 20s. Yeah. Um, there, are, there is obviously potential there. It needs to be coached. He needs to be coached essentially, um, and I'm, I'm ho- hopefully that's what's going on behind the scenes. He is being coached. And he's being told. I, th- I still, th- I said it before. I'll say it again. I think he's a striker. I think he needs to play off the last man, use his pace. Um, he's not a winger for my money, and um, you know he can become one of those modern day strikers that just bursts past people. Um, but he's. He's out of the team for a reason, and that's because he's not good enough. Mm. Um, I imagine he'll play against Crystal Palace, and it'll be another opportunity for him to, to for him to impress. But at the moment, you've got Gael Rodriguez and Robson Kanu has done a a good job off the bench in the in, in the large part in most parts. So yeah, he, he's not getting getting a look in. Um, if someone came came in with an offer of seven or eight million, you think you're waving goodbye. You probably would have a really, really big think about it. Mm. Four million, probably not. But I still think there's some potential there. But yeah, it might be one that they they just cut their losses on eventually, which is a shame because Ollie he seems like such a nice bloke and he seems like such a clever bloke as well. Um, which you know makes me think that there is there is something there. He can be coached and uh, and get better. Um, so I still th- I still think he's got he could have a part to play this season, and I hope he does, um, because it's it's a it's a shame to see him sort of on the bench in the under twenty threes the way he is. Mm, fingers crossed for him. Mike Campbell, without Dwight Gale, would Albion have any chance of promotion this season? For me, we're a completely different team without him, and we'd have struggled to get half the points we have now if we'd stuck with J Rod and Carnu. We must buy him permanently. Well. I would agree with with most of that. Yeah, I mean, like we said earlier, he's he's contributed ten goals, which is 
almost half of the goals. <laughs> so, <Yeah. laughs> so it's you know it's he is a fantastic player at this level. I really really like him. Um, I think he's a crucial cog in in the machine. Not just what he delivers in front of goal, but also his relentless work rate, his pressing high up the pitch, pitch and everything he does. Um, as for buying him permanently, I think it's just a case of waiting until next summer to see what happens because you never know if West Brom go up and Newcastle go down, there might be a deal there to be struck. Even if West Brom go up and Newcastle stay up, there might be a deal to be struck because he might think, well, I'm getting games here. And, yeah. you know, Benitez, if Benitez is still there, I don't know, Benitez might not be there. So there's lots of um, variables in play. But for now, it's just safe and knowledge he's here for the season. Um, so let's just enjoy him and, and, and hope that he, he, he can help uh, a promotion charge. All right, last one. Matt Lewis, uh, are we to be concerned with the constant overlooking of Sam Field? Surely if there was a time to play him, it would have been Saturday. Uh, although for the record, I think Chris Brunt didn't do too bad. Yeah, I'd agree with that. Um, I, wrote, I think I wrote in Saturday's paper that Harvey Barnes... And the um, the way that he's repaid Darren Moore's faith in him, you know, 20-year-old being moved inside to a really important position as number 10, um, that suggests that the likes... I still think Sam Field, if he, if someone showed some faith in Sam Field, he would repay them as well. Mm. Going back to what I said about Chris Brunt, I wonder if Field um, is one of those players that moves the ball sideways a bit. Yeah. Um, look, I don't, I'm Field's biggest fan don't get me wrong I think he's a fantastic player I think he's got a great future um, I've been championing him since he first came onto the scene two or three years ago I, I really want him to have a big part this season I want him to be in the first 11 actually um, but I do wonder if um, if he's one of those players that, that, that moves that moves the ball side to side and doesn't maybe play the doesn't play the brave pass as much as Brunt yeah and people say Brunt loses the ball. Sometimes that's because he's trying to trying to play the brave pass. Yeah. Um, there's a lot to be said for that. So, should Sam Field get a chance? Yes. I I think. I think he's a good player. I think he's. I don't think he's done anything wrong in an Albion shirt when he's played. I think he's been misused by successive managers. Um, and I hope he plays central midfield tomorrow night against Crystal Palace. And I hope he runs the whole show. Um, but I wouldn't be surprised to see him at left centre back again, um, and maybe that's the future for him in this in this team. Um, you know, the ball playing centre back, um, and maybe that's where Darren Moore is thinking about having him um, at the moment. Because as we said earlier, they do have um, they are slightly vulnerable at the back. So if you can have Adara Bio as as sort of Dawson's backup, and Sam Field as Bartley's backup. And then if Fagazi gets injured, you just move Dawson or or um, Bartley inside. Then that you know that is an option. I mm. think that's probably what they're looking at at the moment. Um, I've at the start of the the summer, I thought this could be Sam Field's season, the season where he cements himself as a as a first team regular, and um, you know the player that we're all talking about. It hasn't worked out that way so far. But there's a long old way to go. Yeah, let's talk about the Palace game then, Matt Carabao Cup. Uh, no, it's only early on in the competition, but is this a legit chance at an extended cup run or is it more of a distraction, do you think? It's obviously not the priority this season. I don't think anybody think anybody would uh, disagree with that, either at the club or in the fan base. 
I think what it is, is it's a useful vehicle for Darren to have a look at his youngsters and his fringe players and to keep them happy, more importantly. Yeah. Um, you know, give them some game time so that they feel part of the group. Um, you know, he's he's been at pains to say whenever he's sort of rested players like Brunt in midweek that, you know, it's it everybody has a part to play. The squad players need to keep the first team players um, honest you know everybody has a role here we, we've all got to pull in one direction and he's right he's absolutely spot on there's no you know having a disharmonious dressing room with people grumbling behind the scenes because they're not getting minutes is not good um, for for the dynamics so if he can play some of the fringe players some of the players who might be a bit frustrated they're not on the team at the moment you know albeit the fact that the team is third suggests it's difficult to get into it um then yeah, I think this is the perfect opportunity. And it's also going to be a better barometer for him uh, on his fringe players because with all due respect to Mansfield and Luton, you'd expect West Brom, even West Brom's second string, to beat those teams. Yeah. Um, now, can it's going to be Crystal Palace's second string as well, but can they beat Premier League opposition? Um, you know, is somebody going to really sparkle against decent opposition? Is Rakeem Harper going to play well? Is Sam Field going to play well? You know, is Burke going to cause them problems? And if they do, then you start to sit up and take note and say, "Okay, well, they could be, a, you know, genuine um, contenders for my first team." Yeah, a busy schedule as well, of course, in the league. Games like this, you'd imagine a lot of the first team is going to be sitting down just to get that rest in because you know Saturday, Tuesday, Saturday, Tuesday can take it out of players, especially some of the older players in Albion squad. Yeah, it's relentless, and I think we saw that the first signs of it. Maybe creaking when with Matt Phillips coming off on on the weekend. Hopefully he's okay, um, and that is just fatigue. Um, but yeah, I would be very surprised to see any of the first teamers in in the in the team um, tomorrow because I think this is this is a game that you need to you need to rotate and use your squad. Yeah, there you go. Let's talk competition. Competition time. Ryan WBAFC, well, very, very sorry, by the way. Not a single goal scorer, right, over the weekend, you know? Oh, no, who did I pick? Barnes. But he scored, he was brilliant on, on Tuesday, so yeah. I was sort of right. I knew he had the game in, in him coming up. Yeah, well, the, the McBurney as well, nil-nil there, and then I, I went for a phobia. And... Yeah, why on earth did we go for McBurney away at Middlesbrough? They, they just don't concede. Yeah. Are they, is that something, what? There's something like six or seven home games in a row they haven't conceded or it's something? It's absolutely insane. Tony Pulis knows what he's doing defensively, doesn't he? Let's be honest. Yeah. Um, pure Tony Pulis football at Borough. But let's try and get it right this time. Three games. Uh, for those who don't know, we run a competition every week. Pick an anytime goal scorer from three games over the course of the weekend. One lucky person will be chosen. If they're, if all three goal scorers happen to net, then they'll win an Albion shirt of their choice with a name and number on the back. First game, Preston versus Albion. Matt? Give me a goal scorer. Um, oh, give you a goal scorer. Preston Albion. I mean, I'm tempted to go for Gale, but I go for Gale pretty much every week, um, apart from last week. Yeah. Um, <laughs> I'm going to say Jay Rodriguez. Jay Rod. Maybe a penalty? <laughs> Quite likely to be a penalty, yeah. yeah. Uh, Chelsea versus Liverpool. I'm going to go with this one, and I am going to say Eden Hazard. That's a good shout. Eden Hazard. Uh, at Stamford Bridge, I believe. So... Uh, that's why I'm going for that one. And then Man City-Brighton, that's the last game. I'm going to let you take the point on that Man one. Man City-Brighton, Glenn Murray. No, I'm not going to go for Glenn Murray. <laughs> I will go for Man City player. Um, do, 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 do. Who's going to score against Brighton? 
Aguero normally bags one or two, doesn't he? Normally. normally. It's, it's a nightmare picking a, a Pep side. You never know. My fantasy football has been ruined by Pep Guardiola this mm. season so far. Mm. I'll go for Aguero because he's the only one that I can be sure will be playing. Cause I, can't, I don't know if Sane or Silva or those players play. Yeah, well, there we go. So if J-Rod, Eden Hazard and Sergio Aguero score this weekend, one lucky person will win an Albion shirt. Their choice of Albion shirt with a choice of name and number on the back as well. Let's quickly talk Preston. I know it's a long way off. Uh, not a good start for them. Bottom of the table. Not had a win since opening day. And that was a 1-0 win over QPR. Um, Keith Harrison won't be happy with the way Preston are playing. No, he won't. No. <laughs> um, our editor here is a, is a massive Preston fan. And they haven't started well. Um like you say, they're bottom of the table. Um, but then going away from home, it's always going to be tricky. It's always going to be tricky. West Brom will be favourites. And I think this is the time to sort of make a um, a noise away from home, if that makes sense. Mm. You know, even the Norwich win was sort of a, well, we got away with one there because that could have finished 5-4 to Norwich on another day. Sam Johnson saved a penalty and pulled off a string of saves as well. So if they can get a clean sheet in this game and a win, then you start to think, right, they are definitely the real deal because um, it's great winning your home games and drawing your away games. That'll put you there or thereabouts. But if you want to be in those automatic places, you have to do it away from home as well. So, yeah, hopefully they can do it against a team who are, like you say, woefully out of form and, and just at the moment just struggling concede a fair few goals too you reckon Dwight Gale will be licking his lips I think they all will be yeah. I think they're going to play the same way they're going to try and play it through the lines and um, yeah I'd, it's it's exciting isn't it to go and, and watch from Albion at the moment because you, you don't know if they're going to score two, three, four, five, whatever could be a long old day for Preston and we'll both be there Matt so oh are you coming I am yeah. coming I'm making the trip it should be a good one. Do you know if uh, the ed- the editor is coming? I'm assuming he's going. Currently in Italy. Ah, oh, okay. So he might. I don't know if he's getting an early flight back. But, oh, he um, might miss it then. I wouldn't blame him for staying in Italy for yeah. this one, to be honest. <laughs> yeah. Uh, let's get a predictions, Matt. First one: uh, Crystal Palace home Carabao Cup. I think this might be the point that the youngsters bow out. I just think Palace even if it's their second string, will probably have a bit too much. So I will say 2-1 to Palace. I think it'll be 2-0 Palace. Okay. I can't see uh, Albion scoring. Uh, Preston away, though. Uh, I'm seeing 3-1 Albion. I like that. Yeah, 3-1. I'm going to go with um, another 2-0. Another 2-0? Yeah, I reckon okay. it'll be 2-0, yeah. Should be interesting in the way. Yeah, hopefully. Right, so that about wraps it up. Uh, unless you've got anything else to add, as uh, always. Uh, no, just another request that if you are listening to this on iTunes or whatever your platform, please be sure to rate and review. Just give us five stars or four stars or whatever. And if you do have any feedback, let us know either on the app um, or email. What's the email address? Uh, baggiesbroadcast at expressandstar.co.uk there you go there you go so that's it from me from Matt thanks very much and we will catch you next week